Hi everyone, and welcome to Pretty as Speech, a podcast where we talk about communication disorders, current research, sample treatment activities, and all things speech, language, and hearing. You can learn more by following the Pretty as Speech podcast on Instagram at pretty underscore as underscore speech. Hey everyone, Colleen here. Happy last week of June 2021. This year is already halfway over, which is intimidating and exciting. Um, This month has been one of those that flew by while also seeming to drag on for quite a bit, which is a really strange phenomenon that sometimes it's experienced. But nonetheless, today we are going to be talking about some topics that are very near and dear to the communication disorders part of my heart. So if you follow me on social media anywhere or are friends with me on Facebook, you probably know this already, but June is Aphasia Awareness Month. So I've worked in a neuroscience lab specializing in aphasia research for three years now at my university, and so I'm extremely interested in the best clinical practice and treatment approaches for people with aphasia, and I'm really excited to share that information about this month with you all. However, June is also dysphagia awareness month and when I first found that out I had a bit of a moment (laughs) where I wasn't sure if having these two disorders awareness months simultaneously was a subjectively good or bad thing for overall awareness right because on the one hand aphasia dysphagia they sound very similar and therefore people may not know the difference and that could lead to confusion about awareness or advocacy Um, which would be a not so good thing. But on the other hand, they sound similar and people may not know the difference between the two. So it might be a great time to highlight what makes these disorders actually completely different from one another um, and what also makes them unique parts of the field of speech language pathology in general. So that's what we're going to be chatting about today. And just as a disclaimer, any resources that I mentioned on this episode will have links in the episode transcription. Okay, so first up is Aphasia Awareness Month. And aphasia is a language disorder that's typically the result of some sort of damage to the brain. Most commonly, it's a stroke, but it can also be something like a brain tumor or traumatic brain injury, etc. There are other causes as well. And there are also different types of aphasia that manifest due to damage in different areas of the brain. So that's dependent on where an individual person's lesion is. And that will correspond with what kinds of language difficulties they have. Aphasia as a whole affects over 2 million people in the United States, but there is really little awareness. Almost 85% of Americans will say that they've never heard of the term aphasia or they don't know what it is. And that comes from the National Aphasia Association. So the reason that this is problematic, and you can imagine if you've never been in the position, that it can be really difficult to communicate with someone who has a disorder that you know nothing about. And of course, this goes for all communication disorders, but since aphasia has such little awareness, it's really critical to advocate for those who do live with it every day. 
The rest of what I'm going to be talking about regarding aphasia has to do with some resources that are out there that I think are really helpful in giving information for people who just are interested to learn more, but also people who have aphasia as a relevant factor in their lives in some way. So the first one is the American Speech Language and Hearing Association, or ASHA, and ASHA is the governing body for speech language pathologists in the U.S., but it also has a page specifically about aphasia and gives basic information about what it is, what causes it, signs and symptoms, and some information about what testing and treatment might look like for aphasia. Additionally, it gives more resources you can look into, as well as tips for communication with someone who has aphasia, which I think is great. The second resource is called the Aphasia Recovery Connection, or ARC, and this is one that I've recently found, but it basically has a goal of creating a place for people with aphasia and their families to get to know others who are in a similar situation. So other people who have aphasia, other families, and it's, you know, you can go on there and learn from and also share your own experience with other people who have similar experiences to you. So they have a space specifically for care partners or those who may be helping a person with aphasia in their day-to-day -day life. They also have places for people with aphasia to connect with others. There's a Facebook group. They have a virtual connections program with people who have aphasia. They also offer an aphasia boot camp in Las Vegas for families and survivors, and that's a collaboration between the ARC, so the Aphasia Recovery Connection, and the University of Nevada, Reno. And they also have aphasia cruises for families and people with aphasia that offer resources and also that time for social connection. And the next one for that is in spring of 2022. A third resource for aphasia is the Aphasia Channel on YouTube. So the Center for Clinical Research and Excellence in Aphasia put together a YouTube channel and it compiles videos from many aspects of aphasia. So it includes videos on treatment, testing, and personal experience. And I personally really like the personal experience playlist or section because you can hear firsthand from survivors about their experience as well as get a sense of their personality and how aphasia can manifest so differently in different people, as I said before. And the last resource I'll mention here in regards to aphasia is the National Aphasia Association. So this website has a lot of good information. It's where I got my statistic at the beginning. It's where I get a lot of my aphasia-related information. They have the basics about what aphasia is, what it can look like. They break down the different types of aphasia and give information about each of those. And they also provide information for people who have aphasia people who are caregivers or care partners, and professionals as well. So they kind of cover all the bases, and they are also the ones who promote this huge June Aphasia Awareness Month campaign. So that is it for this episode on Aphasia Awareness Month, and now we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about Dysphasia Awareness Month. Dysphagia and aphasia are actually very different, even though they sound super similar. So while aphasia is a language disorder that impacts communication, dysphagia is actually difficulty swallowing. So dysphagia means if a person has dysphagia, it means that they have trouble moving food or liquids from their mouth to their throat to their stomach. And something can be happening to make any or all of these phases challenging for a person. And it can be with just liquids, just solids, all of the above, um, pills, there's all different kinds of things that someone can have difficulty with, but they all fall under this category of dysphagia. 
As far as incidence for dysphagia, approximately 1 out of 25 adults in the United States will experience a swallowing problem every year. And even though a lot of the stats that we have are about adults, dysphagia can also affect infants and children as well. So dysphagia can be secondary to damage to the central nervous system, so that's the brain and the spinal cord, cranial nerves, and cortical or subcortical lesions. So this can come from stroke, Parkinson's disease, ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, etc. There are many different causes. Um, It can also come from problems with the head or the neck, so head and neck cancer, radiation or chemoradiation from head and neck cancer treatment, any care that might have required someone to be intubated or be given a trach. Um, And then it can also come from factors like side effects from medication, infectious diseases, reflux, etc. So there are many different reasons that someone might experience dysphagia, which makes it all the more important that people know about it. So when someone has dysphagia, we can think of other things in their lives changing because of that. One is the social factors that can be impacted by dysphagia. The first is being embarrassed about eating or drinking around others. So if somebody has difficulty with solids, with certain foods, maybe steak is really tough or different liquids, um, fizzy sodas and things like that. If people have difficulty with certain things, it might make them less likely to go out and enjoy dinner with their friends or their family, which can lead to this kind of isolation around food and drink. And I think worldwide, in many places, it's part of the culture that food is a huge part of our social um, time, our social, being social around other people. Food is very central to that in a lot of situations. The other one that we think about is physical factors, so things that can actually happen to your body because of dysphagia, one being malnutrition and dehydration. So if you have certain foods or liquids that are really difficult for you to consume, you just might not do it. You might avoid. Um, And there are also some treatments for dysphagia that involve thickening liquids or changing a diet, and then people sometimes avoid because of that, because maybe they don't like their water being thickened. or whatever the cause may be. So if you're not taking in the foods and liquids that you need, you end up not having the nutrients, not having the water that your body needs, etc. Another is aspiration pneumonia. So if you are um, taking different foods or different liquids into your body and you are aspirating, or basically they're going down your trachea, airway, then they end up in your lungs and that can make you really sick. That is not a good thing. We do not want to see that. Another is choking and the most severe, the most serious that we think about is death relating to dysphagia. So this one's really serious and really important that we know about it and we know what to look for. And dysphagia can be assessed with different things, including screenings, patient report, observation of symptoms by a professional, and there are non-instrumental as well as instrumental evaluations. So um, things where professionals can just kind of watch you or take a look at your oral anatomy, and then also things like taking a camera and putting it up your nose to the back of your throat and looking around at your actual swallow or giving you kind of like an x-ray of your swallow so they can see what's going on. And that's all I have for you about dysphagia, which you also might hear referred to occasionally as dysphagia. And some resources for dysphagia information and learning are, again, ASHA, the American Speech, Language, and Hearing Association. So similar to aphasia, they have a page about dysphagia as well. And the Swallowing Disorder Foundation. So they offer support groups, they talk about referrals, awareness, and they also have grant money for researchers, which is really cool. (laughs) 
Okay, so that was a little bit about aphasia versus dysphagia awareness month. And both of these are really important to know about. So I hope that listeners go to the episode transcription and check out the resources that will be on there. Of course, I just want to thank people for listening to this episode of the Pretty Ass Speech podcast. And as always, you can follow for updates on new episodes at pretty underscore as underscore speech on Instagram. All right, everyone, that's it for today. Have a great rest of June and happy aphasia and dysphagia awareness month.